Welcome to the sermon podcast of Christ Church Madison, a community coming home to Jesus and His Church. For more information about us, visit ChristChurchMadison.com. I'm going to start by just giving kind of the big focuses of this year and what we're going to be doing as a church, which I, uh, there's a lot happening in our church over the next year. It's going to be a really exciting year. If you've been a part of our church since its inception, uh, it's going to be a really significant year. If you're just joining, it's going to be a really awesome time to, to dive in. The water is warm, as we say. So um, last year, kind of that central image and the central word we had for our vision for the year was depth. Um, deep roots, deep wells. Uh, uh, yeah, depth. This year, it is the, the words that I want us to think about, kind of the things that I want us to capture our imagination for the next year is tenacity and creativity. Be tenacious and creative church. That um, picture on the front of your uh, bulletin, uh, is it St. Augustine's in Poland? I just, that picture has ministered to me as much as anything in the past couple months. I have printed it out and put it in my little office and I stare at that church in the middle of a bombed out, like post-nuclear war zone, and the church is there. And that is Christ Church Madison. That is, uh, that is the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. You cannot drive it underground. And as Dostoevsky says, even if you drive us from the earth, we will shelter God underground. So we're not going anywhere. We're being tenacious and creative. And there was a shift for me personally in August um, that just brought me so much energy and it's like camping there are two ways to camp one way to camp is like you're terrified it's going to rain like oh if it rains we're going to get wet it's going to be miserable or like you're terrified that there could be bugs or like you know like all these things could go wrong and we would be uncomfortable and like oh i don't want to uh, and you're just anxious the whole time and the other way is like our tent is actually built to withstand rain like the reason you go outdoors, it could happen. It's fine. Like your gear's okay. You're going to be okay. And that's the better story. And realizing that the church and the power of the Holy Spirit, everything that he's given the church is utterly capable of withstanding any storm. It was built for it. And actually Jesus calls you to go into the storm. That's what the church is for. We don't retreat from chaos. We actually thrive in chaos and enter into it. So I just personally, I am tired of being on the ropes, to use a boxing analogy, and getting beat up. I'm ready to do the swinging. Thank you very much. Um, so I want us to think about even obstacles, even the things that you don't like about Zoom small groups are now opportunities for the church to be radical, tenacious, and creative. So in mission, in community, and in worship, in our life together, I want us to think this way, that we are going to be absolutely persistent in our community and in our God friendships. As Stuart was talking about, in mission, we're not going to wait. It's not four months and then comes the harvest. And in worship uh, and our meeting for word and sacrament, that's just not negotiable. We're going to figure it out. We're going to be creative. We're not going to be foolish, but we're going to figure it out. So guys, coronavirus could absolutely go till the next church retreat. Absolutely. absolutely. It could go till two, <laughs> says the uh, public health uh, <laughs> person yeah it could go till two it could go till three we could have masks on in 2023 in this room i know but you know what we would be totally fine so let's just quit whining about it and we're gonna do it amen <laughs> i wouldn't have said that seven months ago but i'm saying it now um and i i hope that excites you that gives me so much energy like let's do it tenacity creativity this is the church okay 
our fall focus. I watched some of you pick this up and immediately like, uh, gotcha, Jesus politics and the coming kingdom. We are about to enter into an onslaught of political discourse and instability uh, that it's already here, but it's just going to get so much more nastier. And what we want in the church is to have tons of space where all the voices on all sides of you are shut out and God speaks. And so we are going to provide as much possible opportunities for you to hear the voice of God speak into and remind you of politics and the kingdom of God and who Jesus is and all these things as possible. Um, in our small groups, we're going to be studying the book of Daniel, which I'll let Jason and Susie talk about in a little bit. Um, really excited about that. Daniel's in the middle of this crazy political situation. So in our home groups, uh, it's going to be such a treat. We're going to have resources there. And then in our sermon series, what we're going to be studying on Sunday morning is some people call it the temple discourse, but it's this epic patch of scriptures in the Gospels. So the Jerusalem of Jesus's day was full of denominations within Judaism, and some of them were conservative and some of them were liberal. So you had Sadducees and Pharisees. They didn't get along together. There were even others. And then you even had differences in how people related to the Roman Empire. And even in the Roman Empire, you had divisions. And guess what? Certain Jewish denominations, if you will, were connected to certain political persuasions. And they all were together in Jerusalem. And then as Jesus, as his fame started growing, people had no idea who this guy was. Whose side is he on? Um, what's his deal? Who's he fighting for? What's his platform? Is he on mine or is he on other people's? And so you can imagine like a politician in America growing and getting this like steady groundswell of fame, but everybody's waiting for a debate or a press conference when people can clearly hear that person say kind of their stump. Or you, you, we think that about Trump and Biden right now, like, oh man, it's going to come to a four when we're all watching, the, the microphones are on and we hear them go at it. That happens in the Gospels, and it happens in Holy Week, and most scholars think it all happens on the Tuesday of Holy Week. So Jesus comes into the city, he cleanses the temple, he does all this stuff, he's immediately made everybody mad and curious, Sadducees, Pharisees, Herodians, Romans, everybody, and then he enters into the temple, and then it's this epic, as Marissa and I have talked about, like the most epic verbal battle in history. And it all has to do with gotcha questions. So it is like Jesus entering into, that's why we have these microphones here. Don't you like Maddie's little artwork? Isn't that great? great. Yeah. Um, Jesus enters in. It's like all the cameras are on. Everybody's got their iPhones out recording him. And then everybody gets a shot to try to pin Jesus down and figure out who's he for. Um, all the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke have this teaching block and it goes together. Some of them are a little bit different. So we're going to be mainly be working out of Matthew uh, but we'll be dipping into Luke at the end. Um, and so it is, I'm so excited because what Jesus does in this is utterly confounding and brilliant and beautiful. And to hear what Jesus says will be to be utterly lifted out and separated from our really crazy political discourse. By whose authority is the first question. Usually it starts this teaching block in the gospels. That's when they say, what, what authority are you doing this by? Like, hey, who, what's your platform? Where do you come from? The nationalists or anarchists, that is when they say, do you pay taxes to Caesar? So that's the Herodians and the Jews. So it's like they're all tagging up together. 
Heavenly or earthly focus is when the Sadducees ask this ridiculous gotcha question, which is like, can God build a rock too big? Where they're like, if the guy had, you know, seven wives or husbands or whatever, and then he dies, who's he going to be married in heaven? And they're, they don't believe in the resurrection. They're trying to pin him down uh, in the middle of all this. Which yard sign in Jewish circles in Jerusalem day, there was a debate about what were the heavier matters of the law and what were the lighter matters of the law? So it's basically like, and they all disagreed on it. So it's kind of like yard signs in a way. It's like, what's the one that you put in your yard? So it's like, if you're a single issue voter, what's your single issue? Um, who's your leader is when Jesus flips. So Jesus takes all these questions and it is absolutely amazing watching how he handles them. And then he, he flips it on them and he starts asking them questions. Uh, and so we're gonna start studying that for the rest of it. And then it ends, every single gospel in this amazing block of teaching ends with Jesus talking about the end of days and the second coming. So he's like, let me tell you what I want to speak into this situation. And he talks about what's going to happen to the temple. It's going to happen to Jerusalem, Rome itself, and what will last and what will not. Doesn't that sound exciting? It's going to be awesome. I, the more I have studied this, and I have to admit I've not had tons of time, but I've wanted to study this for a long time, and it's going to be really rich. So we're going to have Daniel in our small groups, we're going to be looking at this person of prayer who's just in the middle of tons swirling around him, and he's just trusting the Lord. We're going to be studying this, what Jesus is saying into all these situations. And I really would love to supply uh, a couple books and resources also on really good theologies of, of Christians engaging in politics. I want us to have more, I want you to have more opportunities to have Bible in your life in the next three months than less, even if you don't use them all. Any questions about that? This is leading us up to Advent. By the way, you'll notice that this doesn't go all the way to Advent, and that's because at some point I'm gonna we're gonna have a baby, <laughs> and I will be I'm gonna take a paternity leave of two weeks. Right, cool. Yeah. And Deacon Chad is gonna come and and bring a word for us one of those days, and then one of the priests from our cathedral is gonna come up and celebrate and be with us for another day. So. Wherever that happens, it'll just shift around, um, but that will take us all the way to Advent. Any questions about this? Gotcha. It's a great title, right? Gotcha. All right. Um, man, Jesus, his responses are just, they're amazing. I love Jesus so much. Um, okay. In the spring, our theme for that, we're going we're gonna to get through this November, we are going to get through it. We're going to stay unified. We're going to love each other. And the gospel is going to be salty. It's going to be awesome. We're going to have Advent. We're going to breathe deep. We're going to remember that Jesus came into our midst and was born of the Virgin Mary. Um, and then in the spring, we have a really significant season of our church life as we become fully planted. Um, I have explained this before. This is our, let me get this right, actually. So last November, we turned two, right? So this November, we will turn three, right? This November, we turn two. Okay, I'm thinking of our, our fiscal year is June to July, but this is our final year where we, we are still on kind of functioning off of external support as well as our internal giving. And we are still tied to the accountability and leadership of our sending church, Church of the Resurrection. And what's going to happen this year is we're going to be preparing to become fully self-sustaining and fully planted. Uh, the best analogy is a kid after college 
uh, or you turn 26 and you no longer can be in your parents' insurance, you go through this process of getting your own bank account, your own insurance for your car, your own life insurance, your own stuff. And then it's like, wow, I'm completely untethered. I'm, you know, you're still a son or a daughter, but you've got your own books. And that happens in the life of a church plant, and that's going to happen this year. And it's really exciting, okay? A couple things are a part of that process. Fully sustaining in finances, that means we're going to be preparing by July of next year to fully be funded and supported by our own people, uh, which is really exciting. So we're going to be speaking into that, our culture of generosity, uh, why that's something that we should be excited about and work towards. And Caitlin will talk about our finances in a little bit, but we're doing really well. Uh, but we do have a lot of room to grow, so it's really exciting. Um, fully sustaining in leadership in Anglican churches, and Stuart and other people here could speak into this just as better than I could for sure. Uh, we have accountability for resources uh, from lay leaders in the church. Traditionally, it's been called a vestry. Um, sometimes people in our diocese call it a parish council because it sounds a little bit less weird than vestry. Um, but basically, it's a group of lay people in the church that changes every now and then that help hold the church accountable to its stewardship of resources and help pray for the church and kind of our, our lay leaders within the church. Right now, so all that to say, if I can't just make unilateral decisions with money or stuff like that, I am accountable, uh, which is a beautiful thing. Right now, I am accountable to the lay leadership, the vestry at Church of the Resurrection. And soon, this year, we're going to be getting our own. So we're going to kind of like be in charge of our own household, which is really exciting. So not only in finances, also in our leadership and setting up that process. And then the third is membership. Um, Will asked me once, you know, do you guys have membership? You know, many of you are new to Anglican churches. Some of you still are like, this is an Anglican church. What is that? <laughs> what is that? Um, but, you know, do, you, do we have membership? You know, uh, how do we think about being a part of the community? And it's such an awesome question. And we are going to be having that this year where we're defining what does it mean to be a part of Christ Church? Um, what does it mean to be a member? And then we're going to have an opportunity for us to say, we do want to join. We want to be a part of this church. Um, so we'll be walking through a series in Epiphany about saying, here's what participation, membership in Christ Church looks like and what that means. What defines us? And a part of that is we want to think about that together. Um, which is going to be really exciting. So you'll notice on the back of your bulletin, there's a survey, which we'll have a time for you to fill out at our last service and hand in. Um, but that's all happening this year. And if you look at that little calendar at the bottom, what's going to happen, Epiphany, by the way, is a season that follows Christmas. And that will begin in January and will go till mid-March. And that's when we're going to be preaching through kind of our membership. What does it mean to be participating and be a part of this community? Um, then in Lent, we'll have some time for discernment as we talk and discuss those things. And then we're going to have a, a membership day or Sunday where we have the opportunity to kind of commit to join as we're getting ready to enter into being a fully planted church. Um, one of the cool things is that in order to be on the vestry, you have to be a member. So we're, why we're going through that membership process first. I would love to answer some questions about this in a second, but first... Um, want to introduce you our advisory council. So this is a group of folks in our church that we have kind of gathered together to help me go through that process. They're just kind of in a council role. But that is Margaret Philbrick. Say hi, Margaret. Frank Sutherland, who's back there, and Dan Easley. 
And so a lot of what they're helping with me with is we are writing the bylaws for what it means to be on the vestry and okay, what do we want our, our parish council to look like and what, how all this is gonna function. Uh, obviously, we're not making up that out of thin air. We have a lot that we just is a part of our tradition. Um, and then there's a lot in our diocese that we're inheriting from other church plants and how they've kind of organized their church. But then we do have some places where we get to seek the Lord and, and think, what's Christ Church's character and how do we want our parish council to run and how do we want that to look like? And Dan and Margaret and Frank are helping me in just kind of an advisory role who have loads of experience in stuff like this as we gather that together. So I'm really thankful for them. Margaret, if you wouldn't mind if I just put you on the spot, you, Margaret has went, went through this process with one of our sister churches, City of Light, and helped them prepare to become fully planted. What excites you about this process? And yeah, what, what was that like being a part of this before in another church? So the process is going to, the day we become, actually it's interesting, the first Sunday of where we are fully planted and independent, I think is July 4th. Yeah. So that will be really unique for us. That will be the day. Uh, independence Day. Yeah, I know. Don't, don't follow the analogy too closely. It breaks down after a while. We're free! We can do what we want with our money! Um, George III? Yeah, George III. You would be an amazing George III. You would be an amazing George III. Oh my gosh. In Hamilton? Like, that's your role. I could do it. Yeah. Um, so we, the big thing is, by the summer, we will have a membership process that's clearly defined of who we are and what it means to be a part of the community. We will have bylaws and like a written constitution of sorts that helps us, is going to help us self-govern. Uh, and be sustaining that into the future with our own leadership. And we're going to be fully sustained by our own resources that we know we're taking ownership of this church through our own generosity to support it. Um, any questions about that process? I know it's a big room. I'm, I'm fine to, to answer questions later if it's too scary to ask now. 
Eva has a question. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Maybe, maybe the wildflowers will come. I don't know. Who knows what will happen by that point? Yeah. That's a great question. Let me ask Dan, who served on the vestry for like 20 years. I would love his answer to that so, question. So we used the... And really quick, let me back that up to say, so Dan Easley and Margaret Philbrick both have been at Church of the Resurrection for a very long time and have served at vestries for a substantial number of those. And so Dan has had experience on being on one of these councils. Yeah. So as I, I think about the qualifications for... Uh, member of a parish council or a vestry, it's the same kind of qualifications that the New Testament talks about for qualifications for a deacon or an elder. Not that vestry members have that spiritual leadership, but that they have that, that same kind of character that um, is without without um, uh, flaw, without without any sort of negative report and people who are of the word of God, who are in touch with the people, who are in touch, who are filled with the Holy Spirit, and who can lead in wisdom around the resources of prayer and and um, money and energy and these sounding boards to um, Father Scott and other leaders in the church. So it's that deep character and walk with God that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. Stuart, do you want to add anything to this process, just to say as we enter into this? It's unique to have you here. I mean, Dan Dan did a great summary. I mean, and it, I think Dan and I probably served probably 15 years, literally, and Margaret and I, six to seven, if not eight. Um, so they're going to have a great sense of what it's about, what Charlie as well, and other, I don't know who else here was. I've been on vestries for a long time. Um, so I think that's really good. I think Dan said it really well. I would say if you like push, push me and I said, what does a vestry member have to be? They are a resource leader. So they are all about the resources of prayer and fasting in the church, first and foremost, because that's what grows and builds the church. They're about the resources of facility. Because whether you're renting or whether you own, it's always figuring out your facility questions. And those are really important, temporal, and yet extremely important to our eternal gospel work questions. They are about the finances of the church, and finances are simply vision in numbers, right? So finances are about the vision and mission of the church numerically expressed. That's what budget is in the life of the church. And so your vestry members are dancing so well. They've got to be utterly committed to the, best, to the vision of the church, the mission of the church. They need to be very committed to the uh, leader of the church. That doesn't mean that vestry is a place where disparate opinions occur. I can promise you. Um, uh, Dan and Charlie and Margaret could all give testimony to how we all had disparate opinions together in meetings, and I was always actually fomenting healthy conflict among our vestries. So it's not that there aren't disparate opinions, but there is also, with disparate opinions, submission to the vision and mission of the church and to the pastor. So those kind of dynamics, that's what you're looking for in a vestry member who can operate that kind of wisdom and actually has that kind of maturity to handle the tension of, I need to say what I'm thinking, I need to even bring opinion maybe different than what Father Scott has, while I'm utterly submitted to what God's called Christ Church to do and to Father Scott's leadership. Those kind of resource leaders are the ones that you're looking for and that can really help free the church to go forward and reach folks and plant more churches. Because you guys know 
I'm looking for grandchildren. <laughs> I'm the unapologetic looking for grandchildren guy. All right. Yeah. <laughs> and just to add to that as well, what that will mean for us in relationship to the bishop and our cathedral and our diocese is we will then, like if we're doing something with our money and we're making those decisions or hiring or something like that, that's something that we would handle with our own leadership and resources. But I am still accountable to Bishop Stewart and we are still as a church accountable to our diocese and to our global communion, which is what we love. We love that apostolicity that we get to participate in. Um, so it won't mean we're like, y'all can do whatever you want. And then I'm going to be like, all right, I've been thinking of some new theology that I want to, you know, let you guys know about. We're still very much accountable to the larger body. Awesome. Okay. That's, that's kind of our year guys. That's going to take us through the three great feasts, which if you're just joining our church, uh, we, that's kind of like there's Easter and then May Easter tide. And then we have these three great feasts of Pentecost, Ascension and Trinity Sunday. We have a barn dance on Trinity Sunday, which is epic. And that's, that's kind of what this year is looking like. So we have a lot of exciting stuff coming down the pipe. <laughs>